And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, guys, I'm excited coming off of this bye week. It happened at just the right time. 49ers entered it at 4-4, four and four, but they entered it on a good note, and they're getting really, really healthy right now. In fact, at Wednesday's practice, they had every single offensive player available to them except for Trey Lance. So, uh, I mean, this team right now is, to me, it seems that they're locked, loaded, ready to go. On defense, obviously, they're still waiting for Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw. They won't have Emmanuel Mosley at all this year after the ACL tear. But you're never going to be fully healthy in the NFL. That's unrealistic. I think the 49ers are certainly healthy enough, Matt. And guess what? Entering the back nine, they are favored in every single one of their remaining regular season games. And that includes this one against the Chargers on Sunday night. They're seven-point favorites, which is nothing to scoff at considering that Justin Herbert is the quarterback on the other side. So uh, Vegas thinks that the 49ers are going to get feisty here down the back nine, and uh, that that's certainly the feeling in the 49ers locker room because well, we, we've definitely picked that up at practice and in the building so far this week. Yeah, there was definitely a, uh, a sense that uh, everything is happening uh, at the right time for this team, and their health, their, their – uh, Improving health was in direct contrast with the Chargers, who had a number of uh, players um, missing practice today. Keenan Allen, he always seems to be dealing with something. Mike Williams has an ankle. Cleo Mack even missed practice with an undisclosed issue. Um, And then, of course, uh, Joey Bosa uh, won't play in this game because he has that, uh, that groin tear that... Uh, required surgery and that he's still coming back from. And, and that was sort of the theme for me. I wrote about this on Wednesday is that uh, one of the Bosa brothers, uh, Nick, said he, he stuck around uh, the, the Bay Area over the bye. He, he concentrated on, you know, all those bumps and bruises, little aches that he was dealing with over the first eight games. He he uh, made sure those went away. And he said, I feel really fresh for this uh, this back half. And um, he's leading the charge for the 49ers defense. Uh, they're obviously trying to get to the playoffs, but he's also in, uh, in the running with uh, 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 Parsons on the Cowboys to be defensive player of the year, Micah Parsons. Uh, so, um, you know, he's, uh, he's kind of uh, positioning himself for a big backstretch, Dennis. Uh, <laughs> and uh, like I said, I think that's symbolic of this defense. I think it's symbolic of this team over these last nine games. Yeah, and it does not surprise me when I hear uh, Nick Bosa sticks around during the during the bye week and he works on his himself. He gets him he gets his body rested, he gets his treatment, uh, he gets his, you know, he he gets everything in order to finish up the season strong because, you know, that's the professional he is. And, you know, during the bye week, it, that's what you that's what you're supposed to do. You know, a lot of guys will go other places, go home, 
Uh, if you're not from, you know, the California or close, close by, a lot of guys that go home and, you know, kind of try to forget about football. But, you know, your mindset has to be, especially after bye week and coming off, you know, a fantastic performance in the second half against the Rams to get your mind right. And like Dave said, the back nine, this is an important, you know, uh, uh, series of games coming up. And you got some tough opponents coming in the, in the house. Uh, you know, we talk about San Diego, San Diego, San Diego, L.A., uh, L.A. Okay, call San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Wishful thinking. Jeez, L.A., you know, you know, they, they squeak by the Falcons. But, you know, they've got some talented guys. I know the, the receivers are beat up. They have a fantastic quarterback. And this offensive line, for some reason, they've kind of protected Herbert. Uh, and they've given him the opportunity to throw some of these on-time short passes and make, you know, some big plays down the football field. So, you know, you, you know, you, you, your mind has to be, yes, you're favored, you're at home, you know, all the guys are coming back healthy. But we know the 49ers, sometimes these games that, you know, we expect to see a W, sometimes they go out and make a game out of it. So your mindset has to be play strong, play hard, play physical, play effective football these last eight. Uh, these last eight tough opponents. And remember, you still got some divisional games to play. But, um, you know, if you look at it on paper, you, know, you said it, all these offensive weapons are back uh, in the lineup. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's got to be drooling right now. He's got so many weapons. Jimmy Garoppolo, if he can continue to play the way he played in the second half, this could be an exciting um, last or uh, second half of the football season. So let's talk about what the 49ers need to address in the second half to really make sure this all clicks because we know that they have so many weapons if they stay reasonably healthy there should be good spacing on the football field i think the one thing that could detonate the 49ers outside of an injury at a key spot is uh you know effective pass rushing against a weakness on the offensive line right so you have khalil mack this week no joey bosa for the chargers but khalil mack is playing and we all know that he can be a game changer so you have to block that guy and if there's an area that he's likely to be able to broach on the 49ers offensive line it's the right side where Spencer Burford hasn't been great in pass protection. Daniel Brunskill's been better, but it's a timeshare there. And obviously, we've seen Mike McGlinchey struggle in pass protection this year. Matt, it, to, to me, it's just so critically important for the 49ers over the long stretch of this season to make sure that they get that right guard, right tackle combination shored up. And I, I see what they're doing here. They're, they're running both Burford and Brunskill, even though Brunskill might be a little bit more efficient in both pass and run blocking right now because they believe that Burford, as a rookie, has a higher ceiling. And they're hoping that that ceiling shows itself by the time that these games really, really start meaning something, right, down the stretch run so they can raise the ceiling of that right guard position. Is it a bit of a risk? Yes, but I respect it because right guard has killed them here in the past playoff runs. They, they weren't good enough there. Um, but, but it's still something that I'm going to be watching really closely, especially now that they're coming off the bye week. If, if stuff was moving really fast for the rookie Burford over the first eight games, he's had a chance to just kind of take a deep breath now, self-scout, self-evaluate. And, and you know, if the 49ers, if, if everything happens the way the 49ers want it to, he's going to come out of this bye week playing, playing some good football. And if that happens, then I think it helps settle a lot. I think it would even help Mike McGlinchey on that right tackle. Yeah, I think he's representative of, of the line as a whole. Remember, going into week one, that was a huge storyline for this team. Um, I forget what the number was, but I think uh, among those three guys, uh, Burford, Jake Brendel, and Aaron Banks, uh, they had four NFL starts uh, among them, and, and they all belonged to Brendel. Um, you know, it's still a small, small number, 
relative to offensive lines throughout the NFL. But, um, you know, they, they play together for eight games now. And um, uh, I think that's one of the reasons for optimism for this team is that they're slowly but surely learning how to, to block, basically. I mean, the, I, I don't think that this zone blocking system is really easy to, to pick up. And uh, it doesn't help when you've got, you know, a uh, different running back in every week. And uh, I know that uh, Jeff Wilson did fantastically here, but I, I, I think that the 49ers want speed at that uh, running back position, which they'll have now with McCaffrey and with Elijah Mitchell, uh, who's absolutely no slouch. But my point is that, um, I, you know, as, as good as uh, a rushing team as they are, I think that there's a lot of room for improvement there, especially with that, that wide zone run that they like to run. Uh, Raheem Mosher was fantastic at it. Uh, but with uh, McCaffrey, I think he's learning it, and he certainly has the speed for it. Elijah Mitchell, the, the team absolutely loves the way that Elijah Mitchell runs the ball. So I think all of that, um, you know, that, that's something, I think you're right, that's something that the 49ers are expecting to improve upon, and that's that's a big deal. I mean, this is a team that, Wants to run the ball. Defenses uh, will probably get a little bit weaker as the as the season goes on, and just the kind of the attrition that that comes with an NFL season. So uh, I think that's a good call. I think that's one of several areas where the 49ers can find room for improvement over these last nine games. Yeah, offensive linemen. You know, I don't. You should know how to block. No, I'm not going to rag on offensive linemen, but that that though. That interior offensive line, I think now, like you said, they've played eight football games together. They've practiced a lot together. Yes, they have a you know a, a different running back seems like every week, but it's a scheme, and I think they're they're starting to adjust to the scheme uh, and understand what's expected of them. And you look at Aaron Banks. I mean, Aaron Banks was that big question mark um, at that left guard position, and he's just gotten better. And and, it, and it's the NFL, and, and that's what it's about. I mean, it's about your reps. It's about trusting the guy next to you, uh, being accountable for kind of how you do it. So I think, you know, these guys are starting to kind of gel together. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Sometimes he looks great. Sometimes he, you know, he gets, he gets whiffed. He gets whiffed by. Sometimes he gets bull rushed. And he's a vet in the league, so he, he's got to play a whole lot better. And, you know, Trent Williams is Trent Williams. He's going he's gonna, to, you know, when he came back, he seemed a little rusty. But he's going to be, you know, the best offensive lineman on, on that, in that group. So, you know, it's just playing together. You know, and we're, we're talking about Elijah Mitchell. He comes back. And with McCaffrey, I mean, it's about that speed. And I think it looks like McCaffrey, you know, the way he kind of – he's so smooth. The way he can kind of find and read blocks – and then Elijah is just straight speed. I mean, he's getting in the hole and he's going. So these offensive linemen, you don't have to do much. Put a body on a body uh, and then have a have a rush lane. And you've got running backs behind you that can get upfield real quickly. Well, and if you get that run game going, the, here's, here's a stat for you guys. If you look at the efficiency numbers, the 49ers, after week one, after Garoppolo uh, took over as quarterback, the, the pass offense – He's actually ranked number two in DVOA efficiency, and the run offense is way, way down at number 24. So there, there's a big gap that we haven't seen yet in the Kyle Shanahan regime, and it, it's 
you know, I mean, normally we talk about the run game leading the way for the 49ers. Every single year until now, th- that same stat had the run game ranked higher than the 49ers pass game. And usually both were pretty efficient. It was run game number five, pass game number six. I think in 2019, it was run game number seven, pass game number eight. This year, it's number two. They're behind only the Chiefs in, in pass efficiency, but they're down in the 20s in the run game. And uh, another stat that I think ties directly with that, guys, is the shotgun rate. 49ers are running out of the shotgun 66% of the time this year. Back in 2019, they only ran out of the shotgun 44% of the time. That's a huge huge increase and you do that when you know you're looking to pass a little bit more right they're, they're not as confident in the run game or they haven't been they or they weren't before chris before christian mccaffrey came and when this uh, line was not run blocking as well so they were going back into the gun way more often and their shotgun versus under center efficiency gap was huge it was one of the largest in football they were way more efficient from the shotgun than they were under center shanahan needs balance to fully be able to embarrass and expose opposing defenses. He needs to be able to run play action at any time. To run play action at any time, you need to be a credible threat from under center at any time. So I think that the key for this offense to truly take off, to be that rocket ship heading up into orbit, is to attain that balance by bringing the rushing efficiency up. And that's why Christian McCaffrey is here now. I think that's the main reason, right? Obviously, he's going to be a good outlet for Jimmy Garoppolo. He can do it all. But that run game, if that, that run game improves, and it has been number 13 in the two weeks with Christian McCaffrey, so that's a solid, solid step forward. I think the rest of the job is going to have to be done by improving run blocking up front, but we'll talk about that later. If that does happen, Matt, I think the 49ers are in business because they've, they've been productive so far, but they haven't had that consistent rhythm week in, week out. And I think you could point at the fact that the rushing attack has been in the 20s. And if that rushing attack is in the top 10 by the end of the season, I think it's lights out because they have so many weapons for Garoppolo in the passing attack that it's going to be impossible to cover them. So the, to me, the formula is balanced for the 49ers moving forward. And I think that uh, it starts, the effort starts here on Sunday night. Yeah, that was problematic for them last year. Remember all the all the injuries, uh, starting with uh, yet another week one injury last year. It was to Raheem Mostert and then that week two game in Philadelphia. So what was it, three different running backs go down, and uh, the 49ers were, were in shambles. It was no coincidence that they were dealing with those issues at the same time that they went on a four-game losing streak. That's the foundation of their offense. And, and that's precisely why the 49ers felt um, comfortable in uh, you know sending all those draft picks to Carolina for Christian McCaffrey. A good running back will solve a lot of their issues. Uh, my question is, uh, you know, I, I thought that that interplay between Jeff Wilson and McCaffrey was was fantastic uh, against the Rams. I mean, Wilson is such a chameleon. I mean, he's a pass catcher. He's a blocker. He's a tough guy. He runs between the tackles well. Uh, it seemed to be a nice both compliment to McCaffrey and uh, somebody who could do a lot of the same thing. So when you had them both on the field at the same time, uh, the Rams were obviously assuming that, okay, McCaffrey's on the field on a passing down. That ball's definitely going to Christian McCaffrey. Well, on a couple of those throws, it went to, to, to Jeff Wilson for, for nice gains. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, I think, is a better runner. I, I've said it earlier. He's faster. He can hit uh, the uh, those outside zone runs a little bit better. Um, he, he hits with a ton of bricks and can kind of break these these long gains. He's not as an uh, established uh, a receiver as McCaffrey. So 
that kind of that creative element that uh, Shanahan was was using uh, against the Rams, I think, is going to be a little bit lacking with Mitchell in there. I'm I'm just curious how he's going to use these two. Mitchell was their starting tailback to begin the season. He's not going to be the starter this year or the or the most used tailback for the rest of these nine games. But I imagine that one of the the benefits of having a, a Christian McCaffrey on the team and that both of these guys on the team is that they save the other one some wear and tear. Christian McCaffrey hurt over the last two seasons. Elijah Mitchell hurt quite a bit over the last season and a half. They should be able to help each other out as far as reducing snaps and wear and tear. I just am, am very curious, uh, really kind of anticipating how Shanahan uses them in concert. You know, Kyle Shanahan, he's going to he's gonna use them, like he said, the hot hand. I mean, you know, whoever's going to start, whoever's going to come in, or if they're in the backfield together, Kyle Shanahan is going to try to get them the ball. Um, and with, with, with Christian McCaffrey, I mean, you got to get him the ball. I mean, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, big plays aren't happening. And with Elijah Mitchell, you get him the ball, you coming out of shotgun or coming out of under, underneath the center, just get the ball in their hands. Um, and, you know, Kyle Shannon has, has a record of wearing down his running backs. And I think that's what he's going to do with these two guys. He's going to, he's going to ride them until they, you know, until they can't be ridden anymore. But, uh, you know, I, I think Christian McCaffrey out the, out the backfield is going to be a big help. That check down. Uh, and then you have Elijah Mitchell that's going to, you know, set everything up. I mean, those, those seconds and five and sixes. And then you look for Christian McCaffrey. You get him back in the backfield together and use one as a decoy. So, and then, you know, forget about Debo. I mean, Debo's got to be happy. Now he's got two real running backs on the squad. So, you know, I think Kyle's just going to use him. He's just going to use them and use them up because that's what kind of what he does. In this offense, running backs take a lot of lot, lot of pounding. And But Christian McCaffrey, if you watch him play, you know, he's, he's good about avoiding folks. He's good about getting out of bounds. He's good about, you know, not taking those big hits. Yes, he's been hurt uh, for two seasons before this season. So, but, you know, all I see is Kyle, Kyle's going to run him. He's going to run him until they can't be ran anymore. So hopefully they can stay uh, uh, can stay healthy you know, for this last eight games uh, and then go into a deep playoff run. Yeah, I mean, and it, and, and that, that's another reason why it's all about balance, right? So you can reasonably keep the overuse off of certain guys, uh, not just balanced offense, pass and run, but also balanced rushing attacks. So you're not too heavy onto one body. And right now, as we speak, they've got a lot of guys that are healthy or getting ready to come back. And that's a big deal for the 49ers because it helps them approach that goal of balance that they always have on the offensive end. Why don't we flip it to the defensive side of the ball where the health situation isn't quite as rosy, but it's still generally improving. The 49ers did suffer one piece of bad news technically during the bye week during a bonus practice on Monday since him. Ebucom hurt his quad. And we don't know yet how serious that is, but Ebucom did not start uh, practice on Wednesday. So, uh, that's you know you never like to have the injury list grow during the bye week and I know overall it it shortened but Ebucom is a new player that we just put on it right now for the 49ers and uh, it's I think that's a significant position because Matt you look at how the 49ers pass rush is constructed they they pressure the quarterback from the edges especially with Armstead and Javon Kinlaw out right now 
Uh, the 49ers, their above-average pass rushers are all on the edges. That's Nick Bosa, that's Sansom Ebucom, and that's Charles Amenahu with Drake Jackson uh, turning the corner, I think. I think that he's been getting better and better every week as he's been learning the NFL. But the interior pass rush, I mean, this is a team that tries to get by without it, especially right now with those injuries to Armstead and Kinlaw. And if you lose Ebucom, he's also a really strong run defender. Uh, you know, that's problematic for, for this defensive line. The good news for the 49ers is that Dre Greenlaw was back at practice in a limited fashion. Aziz Alshire should be back from IR this week, so that second level. The linebackers are, are looking stronger than ever right now, and obviously the secondary might get Jason Verrett back, but that defensive line right now still in a little bit of a tenuous spot, and I think they will be until they get Eric Armstead back, but that might not happen for a few weeks. That that timetable is still really uncertain. The short-term issue, Matt, right now is Sansom Ebucom, and I don't think that it can be overstated here that that defensive line is not this uh, you know, indestructible death star right now. I think that these injuries have given it a few vulnerabilities. Yeah, and I feel bad for Sansom Ebucom because I, I really think that he was bothered by that Achilles tendonitis that uh, started acting up uh, – I think when they were out uh, in West Virginia for that East Coast trip, and and to his credit, he kind of played through that. He kind of gritted his way through that, and I thought he played really well uh, against the Rams. And uh, I was thinking that okay, this this bye week is going to be especially good for Samson Ebucom. He'll finally get rid of that pesky tendonitis that that he may have picked up uh, playing on that uh, that Carolina artificial field. Well, lo and behold, he gets more injured during the bye week uh, and sort of a, a useless bonus practice on uh, on Monday. He suffers a quad injury. So uh, we'll have to monitor that. He has done a good job of, of, of missing uh, one or two practices a week um, to kind of allow that tendonitis to settle down and then playing on Sunday and, and usually playing well. I thought that maybe the uh, the Atlanta game was the the exception to that. Uh, but I, I'm going to let Dennis talk about this guy. I mean, it just really opens up the possibility of Drake Jackson having a bigger role to begin the second half of the season. And uh, I, I think that he, um, you know, sh- showed up uh, as, as a second round, late second round pick in those first eight games and really um, is poised, I, I guess is the best way to put it, to, to take an even bigger step, Dennis, over these last nine games. Yeah, and he's got he's going to have the opportunity. Sounds like, and you know, he's played well. I mean, he's played he he's had some rookie plays. I've seen him, you know, lose contain a few times, get up to fill a few uh, too too far a few times, running draws behind him. But he's going to get better with the reps, and and he's an athlete. I saw him. I think after the Rams game, the cat was doing flips like full on acrobatic gymnastic flip so he's an athlete he's got those long arms uh so he's just got to get you know i, I he's just got to get more reps he's got to be in the game he's got to kind of see offensive linemen how they were trying to block him but you know he's he, he's a young guy i think they got a lot of high expectations for him um and he's he's getting some good he's getting some good pt he's getting some good playing time uh, if Samson can go and he has to start, now the pressure's on. I mean, can you handle the pressure? You have to be the guy that's going to be isolated on the on the defensive line. Uh, Nick Bosa's going to get double teamed. He's going to get tripled. Lines are going to slide to him. Now it's going to be on your shoulders to get that pressure, that outside pressure, like you talked about, that that's where the 49ers kind of, kind of get, you know, 
get offenses on their heels if, with that outside pressure and get after quarterbacks. Um, I heard today that Eric Armstead may have a small fracture in his ankle. Uh, I think we talked about that in the last uh, the last podcast. Um, so who knows when he's going to come back? So that that interior pressure has to come now. I mean, these guys are going to play more snaps now. Ken, I think Kinlaw's coming back for another week. Got to have that inside pressure. But, uh, you know, that that outside edge pressure, we know Nick Bosa is going to get his pressure. Uh, whoever's going to be isolated on the other end, if it's Drake, you got to come with it. Absolutely. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Even if the 49ers defense has to patch some things together, uh, you have to remember this is the NFL. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. So you have to find a way to make it work. But, I mean, when we looked at the first half performance of the 49ers defense, just remember how lights out they were throughout the first five weeks of the season. I mean, this the defense alone, when you didn't count the special teams, which I know had given up a touchdown against Seattle on the field goal block. You didn't count the offense, which had given up uh, safety against Denver. The defense alone was given up less than nine points per game they uh, they were at the top of all the nfl metrics we were even using the adjective historic to describe their start 
uh, as they were ranked number one in these in these efficiency numbers, and then they were ranked dead last for two weeks against the Falcons and the Kansas City Chiefs. It was quite the the drop off. It was insane. And then we saw Tennessee really shut down Kansas City for most of the game on Sunday. You could, you know, a lot of people said, "Oh, well, Kansas City must just be that good." And it's like, no, like Kansas City only managed 20 points against Buffalo. They struggled against Tennessee. A lot of the 49ers struggles against the Chiefs had to do with the 49ers defense. It wasn't all Patrick Mahomes burning them. If you play competent defense, you don't give up seven straight touchdown drives, which is what the 49ers would have given up had there not been one Kansas City penalty before halftime. So we saw this 49ers defense go from best unit in the league to worst unit in the league, and I blame the injuries, right? That they, they had seven guys out against Atlanta, and then those guys didn't practice against uh, Kansas City. And the reason that I give them the benefit of the doubt, the 49ers, is because they have a track record. Right, This defense has done great stuff with these players over the past several seasons. So I'm not about to just throw my hands up and say, oh, this is one of the worst defenses in the league after two games. I look and say, hey, Nick Bosa has a track record. Nick Bosa's not usually chasing guys around blind, right? It, it looked like he didn't know that, uh, that run plays were coming against Kansas City. Jimmy Ward usually looks pretty good in coverage. He didn't look so great uh, with the big club on his hand against Kansas City. Charvarius Ward normally shuts guys down. He doesn't look completely lost. He looked completely lost on some of those plays coming off the groin injury in Kansas City. So because the 49ers defense has a track record, Matt, I believe it's reasonable to expect them to be closer to their level of play weeks one to five than their level of play in weeks six and seven were the two bad weeks. It's more reasonable to expect a second half Rams performance or something that better approximates that than a first half Rams performance moving forward. Am I off base to think that? I, I think the health is the main variable here, but if they're healthy enough, I think that we can expect this 49ers defense to be good down the stretch. Uh, I may have my numbers slightly off, but uh, the the thrust of what I'm about to say is correct. Against the Chiefs, Charvarius Ward allowed 106 passing yards. The rest of the season, he's allowed 89. That's <laughs> just... That's just the anomaly that 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 Chiefs game was for him, and I think uh, the the rest of the the defense follows that. And um, yeah, I mean, I I, I just it's it's hard to see the the Chargers with their injury issues uh, kind of whipping up on this this talented 49ers uh, defense. If if Samson Ebicon plays, uh, et cetera, I think that I think you're right. I think that's that's a, a big deal. Um, but, um, you know, Shanahan was talking about the possibility of Jason Verrett uh, being on the field for the first time since week one last year. And uh, he said that the team is open to uh, even a situation where he rotates in with somebody. It would probably be Diamador Lenore at outside cornerback. Just get this guy back on the field, ease him back in, don't give him, uh, you know, full 70 snaps right out of the game, right out of the gate, rather. Uh, but, you know, o- over time, you would think that if that plan goes well, you could have a defense or a secondary that has Charvarius Ward on one side and Jason Verrett on the other. Uh, and these are, are two really sticky guys. They both play press coverage. They play it in different ways because they're very different body types. Jason Verrett's smaller, very quick feet. Um, uh, Ward is, is longer, uses his hands, his arms more. But point being, um, it's going to be hard for for uh, opposing wide receivers to get off the line of scrimmage against them. 
that in concert with Ebucom and, and Bosa and hopefully uh, Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw rushing. That's that's the uh, that's the dream. <laughs> that's D'Amico Ryan's dream, Dennis, of <laughs> having all those players on the field together. And at some point, and uh, I, I guess Armstead is really kind of the the last piece of that, uh, given his uh, his injury. Uh, but it shouldn't be too far. I mean, I think we're still talking November for him. At some point, as we get into the stretch run, that that seems like it's a, a fairly realistic possibility. Yeah, and you know, you talk about this defense. I mean, the first couple weeks, three or four weeks of the season, we were using those words like historic defense, the best defense, and then you fall off. I mean, the key to being a great defense is consistency. And yeah, um, you know, injuries is not ex- not an excuse, but you know, it is what it is. The 49ers got beat up on uh, on on defense, but you know, if you want to be a, a great defense. At all levels, you have to be able to play great, play at a super high level. Uh, and that's just consistency. That's just knowing uh, knowing your assignments, uh, knowing the defense, knowing the scheme. So this defense on paper, you look at them, you know, even, you know, without Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw, they still have an opportunity to be a pretty strong defense. Uh, but it all starts with that pass rush, like we just started, like we just talked about. Whatever that pass rush is, is what this defense is going to be because that pass rush makes coverage a whole lot better and coverage makes pass rush a whole lot better. So, you know, it it all starts up front, like always, the line of scrimmage. You got to win a line of scrimmage. This is a team, you know, uh, uh, the San Diego, nope, the L.A. Chargers that you can get after this quarterback because he's a good quarterback. Uh, he's, He's not quite, I would say, a mobile quarterback. But he's a guy that can move around the pocket a little bit, but he's going to stand there. He's a big dude. He's going to stand there. So we're going to have some opportunities to get after him. Uh, he's still young in this league, even though he's very good. But if you get some hits on him, he can make some mistakes. If you got sticky coverages, uh, who knows? You can get a couple picks in this football game. That's going to be the key. I think this defense setting the tone uh, and getting some turnovers on defense. Well, and I do think they can pressure Justin Herbert in this game because the uh, you know this is not a great – San Diego, I'm going to say it on purpose, (laughs) offensive line. (laughs) Uh, uh, Trey Pipkins, their starting right tackle, is is questionable for this game. I'm I'm not really sure if he's going to be playing in this one. They have a good center in Corey Lindsley, but the center is obviously not going to be blocking the 49ers edge rushers. Corey Lindsley, 49ers went after him on the free agent market, not this past offseason, but the one before. He was a great center for Green Bay there for several years, and 49ers lost out to the Chargers on, on on that sweepstakes. But they've got a left tackle that's a rookie in Jamari Salyer coming from the SEC from Georgia. So, uh, boy, I mean... You look at you look at this Chargers offensive line. You see what Chargers fans are saying. They're they're complaining that Justin Herbert, who, who's struggling right now, there's no way around it. But talented quarterback struggling right now. People around that that follow the Chargers think that the coaching staff isn't giving Justin Herbert the appropriate runway to succeed. I think a lot of the problems for the Chargers are that they have had some O-line injuries, so they're just trying to get the ball out quick. They're trying to not get Herbert killed back there. Um, 
that's probably led to some confidence issues for him because he'll take the occasional shot downfield, but it seems like he takes it at the wrong time and then he's thrown into double coverage. And, you know, it's just not as impressive of a year for him this year as it was last year. And I think it starts because of the pressure that they're letting up up front. But they they, they got a good running back. And, you know, this is a guy, Austin Eckler, who runs the right way, right? He He knows how to be patient. He knows how to find the hole and he can also catch the ball out of the backfield. And, if you're going to take down this 49ers defense, especially right now when it's a little bit weaker up front against the run, uh, you've got to do it by by establishing the run first. And Matt Austin Eckler is a dangerous back. He's the kind of guy that can give the 49ers some trouble with his versatility on both those runs and those dreaded screen passes. Right, the 49ers shut him down in the second half, but they didn't shut him down in the first half against the Rams. And if, if Eckler can deliver in those ways, that can give Herbert some time against the 49ers pass rush. And as soon as Herbert gets time, stuff can change because he's that talented, right? So uh, this is a game the 49ers have to take seriously because Herbert, it's kind of like a ticking time bomb, right? He's been struggling, but he can go off if the 49ers don't continue applying the pressure that they're used to applying with their defensive line. Yeah, if if I'm the Chargers, I look at that week eight game and I say, let's just attack the 49ers like the Rams did in the first half. It's hard for me to figure out. I'm not sure I, I have whether it was the 49ers' defense making uh, superb adjustments in the second half or the Rams just not using the, uh, the quick passes like they did in the, in the second half as they did in the first. But if I'm the Chargers, I, I find out the answer uh, in this game, and uh, Eckler will be a big part of that. You know, one big advantage that the 49ers have is, um, you know, I think this guy is probably the most underappreciated uh, guy on the 49ers' roster, and that's Drake Greenlaw. Uh, did not play against the Rams, neither did Aziz Alshair. Uh, both of those guys are, are probably going to be available for this game. So uh, linebacking, uh, aside from Fred Warner, and, and by the way, Fred Warner played lights out in that second half against the Rams. Uh, aside from Fred Warner, linebacking has been a big issue during this sort of down period for the 49ers defense. Uh, Demetrius Flanagan fouls got in and, and played uh, against the Chiefs and wasn't very good. And then the next week, Oren Burks took over much, much better. But he's not the uh, the coverage guy that Drake Greenlaw and Aziz are. Uh, so having that, that full linebacker core, that should be an Eckler answer, I would think. Um, and you've got uh, Jimmy Ward sort of uh, being the, the wild card there. Um, he might uh, pick up Eckler uh, out of the backfield as a slot receiver sometimes as well. So the 49ers should have uh, better answers, I would think, uh, for uh, a running back and for a quick passing game than they did against the Rams. If you watch the Kansas City game and you watch the Rams game, uh, you can tell that the Rams saw that um, the 49ers defense, you can use – whatever they do the best against them. And that's that edge rushing that we talked about. Um, Getting guys up the field and then dumping the ball um, down underneath. And this is what where Eric Armstead's missed because Eric Armstead could read screen and draws really well. He was able to to put his foot in the ground, turn back up the field, and make plays down the field. Um, Nick Bosa and whoever's on that other side, Ebukan or, or Drake, they were getting up the field too far. And that was, that's, that's just scheming. That's just coaching, seeing, watching film and seeing what this defense does. Wide nine, 
Defensive ends are getting up to field. We can dump the ball, short passes underneath, um, scheme up linebackers where they're not going to see those screen and draw. So, you know, defensive defensive linemen just have to be better, have to be aware. That's your weakness now. You can't get up field. If an offensive lineman is letting you up to field too far, it's probably a screen or a draw. And I think that's been kind of what, what teams have seen with the 49ers. And you're right. The, the Rams didn't go back to it in the second half. But in that first half, you saw it. Defensive linemen getting up the field uh, and then dumping the ball uh, underneath real quick. And the Kansas City did the same thing. So hopefully the 49ers have worked on that. Uh, guys in the middle. I mean, that's the most important part of defending a run and draw. I was a three technique. and It was always about putting your foot in the ground and turning and making plays on running backs on screens and draws. So, you know, that's just an area the 49ers get better. And you can fix it. You can do it in practice by working on it. But, you know, if, if any team is looking at this defense and kind of how to expose it, it's screens and draws. That's such a good point on Eric Armstead. You know, the, the thing about Armstead is he's not appreciated enough because he had 10 sacks in 2019, but so many people in his fantasy football era only look at the sack numbers and they don't look what creates sacks. And Eric Armstead is a massive facilitator of sacks, even if he's not the one registering them. I go back to you earn the right to rush the passer. How do you earn the right to rush the passer? You stop the run and you also stop screen passes, right? Because if you stop those two things, then the quarterback has to drop back for at least a couple seconds and look downfield for a longer throw. And that's what unlocks the floodgates for Nick Bosa, Sansa Mebucom, you name it. And Eric Armstead, you know, all the data, all the tape suggests that he's been the single most important piece of the 49ers run defense here the past two years. Him moving inside last year to pair up with DJ Jones coincided in a surge to number one from like number 20 for the 49ers. It was that one move. So that Armstead was huge for that. Yes, he didn't have the sack numbers, but how many sacks was that worth? That might have been worth 10 sacks last year. Eric Armstead moving inside, stopping opposing run games so the other guys can rush. And, you know, I didn't even mention what Dennis just mentioned, which is such a great point. Eric Armstead has been the 49ers' best stack monster. They call these guys stack monsters. And that, by definition, is as soon as the screen pass is released, the defensive lineman has to switch from being a pass rusher to what the 49ers call a stack monster. And that's somebody who has to run away from the stack and, and chase down that screen pass, right? Chase down that screen receiver. And Armstead, yep. he's done both of those things so well. Stopping the run and, and combating screens. Nick Bosa will tell you he watches more film than anybody, Eric Armstead does, and he's able to sense those screens before they come. And that presence is a rising tide that lifts all boats. And, you know, Matt, I don't know if I could put a number on how many sacks Eric Armstead has helped generate over the past couple of years, but I can tell you this for sure. The simple box score does not do it justice because it's only counting sacks that have been, you know, generated, uh, that, that have happened only because Eric Armstead has generated them, and it's not giving Eric the, the, the credit that I think he really deserves. Yeah, and you're both right. He would be a particularly good asset in this game against and Austin Eckler, who's getting a lot of those uh, short dumps and, and turning those into to big gains. If you've got a six eight guy tripping you up almost as soon as you uh, get the ball in your hands, uh, you're, you're not going to get those yak yards. And uh, I mean, we've been describing Charles Amenehue as a Eric Armstead in training uh, for the last, I don't know, five or six weeks, how, however long Armstead's been out. So he's got to pick that up. I mean, he's, he's learning that position now. Uh, I, I think he's positioning himself 
very nicely uh, for uh, free agency in in March, just the way uh, Arden Key did for the for the uh, I forget where he ended up, Jacksonville. Uh, but uh, my point is that um, I think teams will see that, and uh, it'll it'll be games like this that they'll be looking uh, at when they're when they're making these free agency decisions in March. So he's got to play well. Hassan uh, Ridgeway, I think, has been uh, better and better. He's he's their designated run stopper. He's got to be their sort of base down guy in this game. Um, and then Kevin Givens is their their penetrator. They've, they've been sort of patchworking together um, uh, a defensive interior over these last few weeks and those same guys and it's it's you know akin to what we were saying about the offensive line those young defensive linemen haven't really played a lot in their careers haven't been every down guys those guys need to be better in the in the next uh, in the last nine games than they were in the first eight yeah and you know this is this is when you do it right I mean, this is this is the time when you put it all together. And, you know, we saw in that second half, it kind of looked like that in the Rams. But, you know, this is it. This is this is why you you know, you go through the OTAs and the training camps and all that stuff is an opportunity to compete for championship or to get into to to the playoffs. And, and this is the time to do it, to put it together. And, and whoever's out there, you know, whoever's on the field, that's the mindset you got to have for these next eight weeks. And you, you got to go up to Seattle still. Seattle's playing lights out. I mean, not lights out, but they're playing. I mean, it's, it's just surprising watching them play, you know, the way they play and, and the way Pete Carroll has these guys motivated. And then the 49ers always have problems with Arizona. So, you know, and, and they're they're trying to find their way. But this can't be the week that you you let down. You got to you got to keep the momentum. You've had a couple of weeks off, but you got to find that momentum you had in the second half and carry it on throughout. First of all, Sunday night football, and then you have to carry it out for the rest of the rest of the football season. So, on paper, this team looks great, right? I mean, everyone's coming back. Offense, you get some key guys back on defense. You just got to put together and play effective football. All right, what's going to happen on Sunday, Matt? I'll give you mine first. <laughs> Dennis, they're chuckling. He, he hates this part, but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, uh, you know, I think it's cut and dry. I think the forty. Here's the thing: the Rams were coming off a bye against the Forty ers last time we saw the Forty ers in action, and you know, maybe it seemed like that in the first half. Rams had a little extra pep in their step, converted five of six third downs, seemed to be giving the Forty ers a, a handful there. Uh, but to me, that's really impressive context for that Forty ers win that they did that to a Rams team that was coming off a bye. Uh, now the 49ers get to come off a bye, and this it seemed to be a really well-timed one. It seemed they've really healed up, especially on the offensive end. I think they're going to come out firing. Uh, I don't think there's an excuse for them to not come out firing in this game against the Chargers, given that LA's beaten up. Uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be a 35 to 17 win for the 49ers on Sunday Night Football. I think they're going to flex their muscles, and I think they're going to win big in this game. What do you think, Matt? Well, that's almost. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say it's almost 49ers Chargers Super Bowl score, but that I, not really. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, this goes to, to something that Dennis says a lot. It's a. It's a, 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 about leadership. Um, and, and how a team sort of reacts to a buy, and uh, I think Dennis addressed it earlier. I mean, Nick, Nick Bosa, for example, is a guy that you know didn't didn't go to Vegas during his buy. He he stuck around and and healed up, and I think that was sort of the theme for this team. I think that they'll 
Um, they, they've, they've handled it well already. I think they'll be. Uh, I think they see the opportunity in front of them for this backstretch. And I think you're right. I mean, I, I think this will be a real nice showing, uh, a real nice indication. I guess is the right word of where this offense can go. Having Christian McCaffrey, having Debo Samuel, having Elijah Mitchell all on the field at the same time, along with Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, that to me adds up to 30 points. Um, and, uh, and it's almost a disappointment if they don't uh, you know, s- score a lot more over these last nine games than they did over the first eight. So I'm going to go with 30. Uh, I think it'll be 30 to 20 49ers. And I, and I always get really weary when, when the 49ers are expected to win a football game. And, you know, you're at home, you had a Sunday night. Uh, but I get really weary about teams that the 49ers are supposed to beat and beat them handily. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think this is a team, uh, the L.A. Chargers, I think the, I think I think the 49ers will be able to run against this team. They're awful against the run. I think they'll be able, Jimmy Garoppolo will be able to get into rhythm. All his weapons are healthy, um, but I do see the 49ers keeping this tight uh, in, in true fashion uh, and maybe pulling it out at the end, uh, maybe in the fourth quarter, finally putting it all together. Um, I, 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 I'm going to go with 27-17 49ers at home. All right. Well, yeah, and it's going to be, to me, the the really interesting thing is it, what does the defense allow to – Justin Herbert and this Chargers offense, uh, given the fact that, that, that neither team is at full strength in that matchup, right? The Chargers a little banged up up front. Uh, probably no Keenan Allen because Keenan Allen has come out and said he's not going to play till he's 100% because he already tried to play on the hamstring at less than 100%. Didn't work out. So, that, that I mean, that's a big loss if there is no Keenan Allen for the Chargers. But the 49ers defense healing up but not fully healed. I, I, you know, do they keep the Chargers under 20? Do, does Justin Herbert figure something out? I don't know. But the other side of the ball to me, uh, you know, right now there are no excuses for the 49ers to not be putting up big points. And I, and I think that they responded in really positive fashion to that kind of no excuse approach against the Rams in the game where they had to do it. And now they have even more in their favor coming off the bye week. All right, guys, good stuff. It was great talking to you. We will talk, well, we'll all convene like we always do after the game, and uh, we'll have more coverage for you as the 49ers embark on this back nine. For Dennis Brown and Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you all next time on Here's the Catch.